This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Cost. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It is Thursday, May 12, 2022. And the word of the day is tossed. Not sure how that word came to be, but that is what we associate with when an umpire throws out a player or a manager. It's not an ejection. It's not a disqualification. It's not a yellow card, a red card, a purple card, a pink card. It's, hey, he's tossed. I want to bring you to the Boston Red Sox game, and I'd like you to look at video. But of course, you're listening to this. Well, if you're watching on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, you could be watching, and Coca's going to give you the video. Now. He doesn't have it. Okay. This is live. Stop yelling at me. I got gotcha. you. All right. We'll do it. We'll do a different start. We'll do it. I'm fine. I thought you'd have the video. It's great video. I mean... That was not a strike to Kevin Ploiecki, right? The Red Sox needed that. They lost to the Braves on a walk-off. There were bases loaded, 3-2 count, cost him a run. I mean, it, at least we should show Adam Beck. And No? Okay, ready? Here we go. Count me in. Four, six, nine. Tossed is the word of the day for May 12th, 2022. What is going on with these umpires? It's a tough job. I get it. You're sitting in the box. You're the president of a team. You're the general manager of a team. And you're looking out at the field. And you're doing all sorts of calculations. You've got the assistant GM telling you what's going on in one ear. You've got the owner yelling at you in the other ear. You're looking out. You're looking at your roster. You're looking at the standings. You're looking to see how the game is developing. And you're looking to make sure that everything you can control, you control. Then the game starts. And then the numbers and the odds take over. I'm okay with that. I am fine with the vagaries, with the inconsistencies, with the insanity that is the failure that is baseball. What I can't stand is human error. Now, human error, when you are a player, comes in two forms, mental and physical. A mental error is, oh, I didn't realize there were two outs. Oh, there's only one out. I'm catching the ball and throwing it in the stands. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, I was supposed to throw to second base, and I missed the cutoff man. Physical error. I was supposed to throw to second base. I threw to first base. Mental error. Oh, the ball went through my legs. Physical error. It happens. Oh, the ball. I got it. 
cleanly fielded, and then I throw to the wrong base. I do not handle mental errors well. But in baseball, when you are a player, all of the errors happen on the field of play, and they are done by human beings, wait for it, players, and there's no way around it. There is no way that technology or innovation or people sitting like incels plugged in, figuring out how X will follow Y, will follow Z in some backwards inception-like world where they can manipulate everything to alter an outcome. None of that happens on a ground ball to shortstop. But what about a pitch? What about a ball and a strike call? This is it. May 12, 2022 is the end of my rope. 18 years of frustration over balls and strikes, over inconsistent umpires, over umpires who have control of the game. And I've told you I'm angry when you have a pass interference in the end zone where you can alter a game and the players and the team gets it on the one yard line. Anytime umpires can impact, referees can impact the outcome of a game and it overtakes what we've done to prepare our players or put our team together or take control out of our hands, I'm out. O-U triple T. Now add a layer to that. The layer is the Boston Red Sox were 11 and 19 in last place behind the Baltimore freaking Orioles. 20% into the season. All right. All right, I get it. 32 games is 20%. There's only 31 games played. You're right. They have one more game till they're 20% done. Sue me. 20% done. It's not early. It's not late. But we are definitely at the beginning of the middle. The Red Sox need to start winning games. When you have players who don't perform and you're losing games and you are running that team, you start wrapping your arms around the fact of the possibility that the team you put together is not going to be what you expected it to be and you've got to make adjustments during the course of a season. Sell, Mortimer. Sell. Bring the payroll down. Stop paying the luxury tax. But what happens when your team is losing games through no fault of yours and no fault of your players? Adam Beck calls a third strike, inning over. Of course, Pluecki argues, gets tossed. Not warned. The umpire didn't walk away. Umpires are so stubborn. If you talk to an umpire after game, and I've only done that, I don't know, a thousand times, it is noteworthy when they say, ooh, missed that one. Did you watch the NBA? Side note. Do you know how referees in the NBA have give back calls? No one talks about it. It's the quiet part that I'm going to say out loud. When there's an offensive foul called on one side and the referee says, ooh, that's probably not the right call, but the coaches don't challenge it. And then all of a sudden you go to the other end and then boom, it's another offensive foul that was borderline. They're called makeup calls. We all know they happen. If you're involved with the NBA, if you watch the NBA, if you know NBA executives, if you're a fan of the NBA, makeup calls are a thing. In Major League Baseball, you speak to an umpire. They don't say, ooh, that was a call. That was low. The next pitch, we're going to give it to you. We would always say that to players, though. Hey, if you get a call 
right, that you shouldn't have gotten. Let's say you get a ball called when it was right down the middle. You better swing because the umpire strike zone is going to expand. We'd always say it to the players, and they'd always say, but David, umpires don't do that because they never think they've made an incorrect call. They're so full of hubris. They're so protected by their union that they don't mind their incompetence. But we can fix it. Dear Rob, you may or may not remember me. I used to work with you for 18 years. Do you remember all the conversations we had with Dan about automatic strike zones? Not the fact that it's going to be an actual robo-ump. We're not asking to take the umps off the field. We know that's not going to be allowed. But do you remember the technology that exists that allows for us to know whether it's a ball or a strike? And there can be a little ping in the ear. Remember, we could do that. Or we can have a quick challenge system where we go like the U.S. tennis or all the tennis matches around the damn world where you get a quick thing on the jumbotron. Hey, it's not like the line judges lose their mind. Hey, I got it wrong. Ding, ball four. Ding, strike three. Then no one gets tossed. Forget warning. And you get the calls right. I spent years hearing the umpires tell me this. You know, David, we want to get the calls right. You know, that's why we agreed to review. That's why we agreed to everything that's going on in New York. Because at the end of the day, umpires want to be right. Horse hockey. They don't want to be challenged. They don't want to be shown up. They get upset when you argue balls and strikes. So we had to put a rule in, don't argue balls and strikes. Why not? Why should I not be allowed? Why are managers automatically ejected when they argue balls and strikes? I don't know that I could stand on a higher perch and yell any louder than my hoarse Thursday voice, knowing I've got two shows ahead of me today, trying to understand what's the problem. I'm going to argue balls and strikes until we change the rules and you let us change them. Rob, you let us change them, umpires union. Now you've got a Red Sox team that falls to 11 and 20. You've got a president of baseball operations, though he's called the chief baseball officer, Chaim Bloom, getting pressured by national writers who the owners read and then feel like, uh-oh, do we have a problem with Chaim? Were the signings wrong? Is the team bad? Are the analysts we hired hurting the team? I'm just kidding, Will. Of course not. It's changing, folks. Because all you need, say it with me. Come on, say it. You need Jordan. That's it. 23. 23 owners to tell the commissioner's office we're making a change. Get the union in the boardroom and we are getting an automatic strike zone. We are getting quote unquote robot umps with the technology that exists because the argument that you've all given us and MLB, oh, I gotta tell you this. We go into owners meetings and we get documents and we get told examples and shown video that at the end of the season, this is, I love this when I'm told this, David, don't worry, Joe Torre would always say when he was done losing to the Marlins in the World Series and he joined MLB. I love you, Joe, you know that. He would say, David, you know very well, as frustrated as I would get and as angry as I would get, they all even out at the end. It's my favorite expression. Don't worry. You lose a call, you get a call. Bad call goes against you. A bad call will go in your favor. It all evens out in the end. 
I-D-G-A-S. That was always my response. I don't give a merde. So owners are getting upset. Players are getting upset. Managers are getting upset. And if you ask pitchers, you saw McHugh of the Braves walk off if you watch the video that Coca didn't put in the show. But if you walk off the field, pitchers got the benefit of a call. You ask any pitcher inside a clubhouse when the media is not around, when they're just talking to people in the front office, they will tell you they are very much in favor of automatic strike zones and robo-umps because in their mind, of course it's bias, but they're right because we study it and we analyze it and we count it. More calls go against you than go for you. Period. Hard stop. And even if you have a year where two calls go for you and only one call goes against you, but the numbers are way higher, say 20 calls go against you and 19 calls or 21, God damn it, 469. Even if you have a year when 25 calls go for you and only 20 calls go against you, it still doesn't feel like you have gotten a fair shake. Therefore, how do we conclude this? It's so simple. Look for it. It's coming to a theater near you, and I mean quickly. Go check out the video. Adam, be better. It's one of the things that Coca says to me all the time after every show. This is show 596. We've done probably 670 or 680 total episodes. But these episodes like this are numbered. The sit-downs are not. I think we have a sit-down for you Friday of this week, but I'm not positive. Wait to see. But Coke at the end, we'll talk about the show and we'll talk about what was said, what was not said, the mistakes that were made. And he will invariably say, be better. I like that. Because what it means is you never attain perfection when you have your own show. When Coke and I are putting a show together, we know that we could be doing this for 5,000 shows and we may be, and we will never get it completely correctly. We will never do a show that will be seamless because we don't want to show you an edited product it's like fake. It's like silicon. Silicone? Silicon Valley and silicone inserts? Filler? Botox? Don't get me wrong. I've got a big wrinkle right here on the forehead. And when I talk, I was taught by a theater coach one time that don't talk with your forehead because people generally talk with their forehead. So you're supposed to, I don't know if you're watching this, but you're supposed to look at me now. So my eyes, my eyebrows are up and that creates these two big wrinkles on my forehead. You're supposed to, when you're addressing a crowd or when you're on stage or when you've got a microphone, you're supposed to relax your eyes and your eyebrows. But it's so hard because I'm trying to be expressive with my eyes, but you can be expressive with your hands, not your eyes. Keep your forehead flat, then you don't need Botox and the wrinkles don't really show. I'm gonna try that right now. How am I doing? How you doing, Jimmy Crane? Jim Crane's the owner of the Astros. I'm not saying owners don't get work, because they do. Owners have egos. They want to look good. If you're Jim Crane and you own the Astros and you have a World Series ring in 2017, what's in your head? What's in your head is that you're so angry at Major League Baseball for perpetuating the lie in his mind that the Astros cheated their way to a World Series ring. You so badly want another World Series so you can ignore 2017. You can count it in how many World Series you've won. You can put up the banner, but you can really focus on the fact that you won a World Series without needing garbage cans. 
So Jim Crane has wanted that second World Series forever. But do you remember when the story broke of the garbage cans? This is a few years ago. And Jim Crane had that very awkward press conference at, at their spring training site. And all the media came and they brought on, I want to say it was Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve who met the media. And they were hardly, what's the word, Coca, when you don't apologize, when you're supposed to apologize? I'm totally blanking on what that word is. Contrition. Way to go, Coca. Someone looked at the SAT word of the day. They didn't look in any way that they were showing contrition. And we commented on that. I don't remember if it was during Nothing Personal or maybe on CBS HQ or Levitar, whatever it was. But the key to a story like that is if you're Jim Crane, you zip it. You're done. A couple weeks ago, Brian Cashman made some news, even though he's got the best team in baseball right now, even though Severino can't pitch, by the way, but they're doing great. Made some news when he said that he doesn't view his World Series drought as having lasted since 2009 because he felt he got cheated in 2017 and that they would have been to the World Series but for the garbage cans. And I said on this show, that's a very, very silly thing to say, especially because you were cheating too. Jim Crane gave an interview a couple days ago where he re-brought up all of this 2017 garbage can Yankees Cashman situation. I want to give you a quote that he gave about Brian Cashman and explain to Jim why he ought to stay away from the microphone. I found his comments to be extremely strange. There's the letter, that famous Yankee letter that the Yankees fought for four years to have it not, or two years or one year, whatever it was, not up to the Supreme Court, but damn close to keep it sealed. And then they unsealed it, and all it showed is the Yankees were punished for cheating, which of course they cheated because I told you they cheated, because we cheated, everyone cheated. Who doesn't cheat? You cheat. It's cheating. Is it cheating if everyone does it? There's the letter, and you were doing it too. You were there, dude. I like that. Where's my car? If I was one of the teams, Jim, you're a smart guy, pretty wealthy. If I were one of the teams, and I knew our team was doing it, cheating, I keep my mouth shut and just go about our business. Crane continued, but listen, I can only control what's going on here. I can't control what the other guys do. And then he doubled down. This is an insane interview. I think there was a bigger problem out there, but we caught the brunt of it. Yeah, you did. We did what we did. We took our punishment, but people want somebody to get after it and were it. He's still talking about the fact that the Astros get booed, that the Astros are viewed as their 2017 championship not being real. This kind of back and forth between organizations boils the blood of the commissioner and the commissioner's office because they want to run baseball the way 80% of us want to run our families. It's appearances that matter. You want to fight? Take it inside. When we are forward-facing, when we're out to dinner, when we're in the school parking lot, when we're at games, everyone's going to think that we are the Clevis. Coca, do you know what that means? Coca? Probably not, right? The Cleavers? No? Okay. Every once in a while, I do these references that I feel like are only caught by 20% of the audience because it used to be 80% of the audience because that was the demographic. But now that the show has grown, Coca keeps telling me the demographics are getting younger and younger. So all of my old man references, 
I should stop them, but I can't control what my brain is doing because it's not like I have a prompt or anything. And I just thought of the cleavers. It's not like I'm a huge leave it to beaver guy, but the implication is sort of clean cut. And I don't mean, this is not race thing. This is not a white black thing. This is just, everything's good. Don't worry. It's the Cosby show. Great example, by the way. The Cosby show where everything's awesome. It's the great American family. Meanwhile, the guy's roofing everyone off stage. So the commissioner doesn't want anyone to see that because they think that you, the audience and the fan, are stupid. The reason why we generally think that about fans is that it makes us feel smarter and excuses the way we feed our own ego being in professional sports. Yeah, you guys play fantasy baseball. We play real baseball. Yeah, you guys get to cheer and root, but this is our job and our business, and there's money at stake. There's legacy. There's Hall of Fame credentials. There's asset valuation. This is serious stuff. And I'm in. I was a part of that. That was exactly how I viewed myself. I appreciate your suggestions on how to serve hot dogs, but I'm the one in charge. Thank you so much for telling me that we need another left-handed reliever. I had no idea. Thank you so much for telling me what trades you would do because you run a fantasy team. Thank you. We're going to take that under advisement. Thank you so very much for your suggestion as to where I should stick my fingers. But you know what? I'll do that in the privacy of my own home. So the commissioner says, given that we all have to show a united front and that everything's peachy keen between us, when by the way, inside those owners meetings and inside committee meetings, there is a competition amongst owners that would turn your knuckles red. It is so significant, the dislike, the distrust, the fighting that goes on between teams, the grievances that are done from team to team, player to player, player to team, their entire committee set up, like the revenue sharing, side note detour, there's a whole committee that existed. I always wanted to be put on it and I never was. It's a, it's a committee of owners, some presidents, where they hear revenue sharing arguments that teams have against each other. Hey, Yankees, you're not telling the truth about what your TV deal's worth. Hey, Red Sox, you're lying about the revenue that is baseball-related revenue versus non-baseball-related revenue. It's unbelievable. And then it's like a trial where you go in and say, you write a brief. The Orioles and the Nationals have been fighting for a decade over TV money with Masson, their network. I mean, like fighting the courts, both in baseball and in the regular courts. It's insanity. But of course, we want, of course, a horse is a horse, of course, of course. I said courts and course, and I realized that you may not have heard the difference on this microphone. So baseball doesn't want Jim Crane saying anything about Brian Cashman, but there's no way that Rob Manford's calling him. So he gets Dan Hallam to call him, which he does. Dan Hallam calls him and says, Jim, come on. Do you really have to do it? Is it totally necessary? Ah, makes me smile. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about Ophelia and Jake. And it was a suggestion by a listener that I watched this 10-part series, and I'm quite appreciative. And then we're going to tell you whether or not Kyrie Irving is going to be in Brooklyn long-term. We'll be right back. 
our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson and Matthew Coca coming to you live, live from New York. So review and rate, you got to do those things. I know that you think we've been around for a long time, which we have, and that we've got a lot of episodes, which we do, but it still matters all the underlying numbers and the analytics to rate and follow and subscribe on YouTube. You can then see the blazer combo. Unfortunately, it was the black blazer's turn and the blue shirt's turn. So I feel like I'm a black and blue bruise right now. I'm looking at myself at the Zoom camera, but the black blazer was next in the in line. So I had no choice. Do you ever put on an outfit where you know that it's not your best outfit, but it is what it is? Some of you then take the outfits off, throw them on the floor, and then go to the next outfit, and then you have to clean it up so you don't do the one-touch system. The one-touch system is when you get laundry right and you put it away instead of putting it on a dresser and then put it away. Or when you take your coat off at the end of the day, you don't put it on a chair, you put it right in the closet. Or you don't put your shoes on the floor, you put them right away. It's the one-touch system. So I do the... Obviously, I do the one-touch system. But the other thing I do is that I've got a line of blazers and a line of shirts, and what's next is next. So I'm not going to take off the clothes, even though I know that I look like a black and blue bruise. What were we talking about? Have we gone to break yet? I think we have, Coca. Thank you for making it through the commercials. Subscribe and tell your friends. We watch a movie every day. We watch a TV series every day. And I love your suggestions. I do. You told me to watch Minx. I was not going to watch it because I saw a preview for it on HBO Max when I was watching Winning Time, and it looked sort of 70s and funky, and I mean, I'm an 80s child and an 80s adult. I love the 80s. 70s are good. I mean, anytime you can have a decade with collars really, really big, then I'm in, and collars that look like some sort of Rothko gone wrong, I get it. But this show, while it's set in the 70s, is about something fascinating. It's about a woman who is trying to start a feminist magazine, cannot find a publisher, finds a publisher, but he's basically Larry Flint. He publishes porn. And so he says, I'm happy to publish your feminist magazine, but we're going to need some peni. So all of a sudden, you're looking at peni. Today's a day of peni. I'm going to a play where I'm going to see the guy from Grey's Anatomy naked. What's it called, Coca? Last man up, last man out, first man out, last man standing? No, that's Damon Wayans and Bruce Willis, right? Or that's the whole nine yards? Okay, my brain is a little woo It's Thursday. I can't remember the name of the play I'm going tonight, but it's in New York at the Hayes Theater. Should I not be saying what I'm doing? Do I have to review that play tomorrow? I'm not going to review it. Anyway, so this entire Mink show is 10 episodes, 25 minutes each. 
It's got great music, which should make you smile. But more importantly, it shows you the story of how nudity, which has historically been just female breasts, and now this day and age has become a lot of penises. And what's interesting to me about it is that this is sort of equality now where we're normalizing male frontal nudity, when in the past, whenever you saw any sort of male frontal nudity, it was front page news. But when you saw, like in the old days with Fast Times at Ridgemont High, part of the movie was, part of the way it got financing is, you had a show, Phoebe Cates and Jennifer Jason Lee. there have to be certain scenes like in Stripes, you have to have a certain number of pairs of breasts for a certain number of seconds. I don't believe that it is now, hey, you better have a few peni, but it's just become, hey, it's the naked body. Ever been to a museum? Michelangelo? Check out Minx. It's well written. It's well acted. Jake Johnson is brilliant. Jake Johnson plays the publisher. And then Ophelia Lovebond, who I had not seen before. She was in Guardians of Galaxy, but I don't know which part. I just saw that on IMDb. But there's something about her that she is the lead of the show and takes over the show. And you're rooting for her. And you believe that she's doing right and you believe that you want her to win, and when you can root for a character, you got yourself a good show. So check it out. It's called Minx. It is worth your time. Five hours. You got this. So we're talking about players and player empowerment and executives and decisions they all make. The NBA, I have been on record as telling you that the level of player empowerment in the NBA is absurd. I've told you that I find the salaries in the NBA to be a little insane. And it used to be that we could talk about John Konkak and say, wow, that guy's overpaid. Now you look at a roster and you look at career earnings. We would do this. Detour, Coca. Do you know that players actually do pay attention to this kind of thing in their websites now with career earnings? So we'd be sitting in the clubhouse pre or post game, sometimes during the game, but don't tell the manager or the owner. And we'd be sitting with players and we'd do the over-under. Career earnings of Andre Dawson. Guess. And then we do career earnings of Ricky Nolasco. Like just players who are good, players who are great, players who are Hall of Famers, players who are okay. And then we go to another sport. And we talk about an NBA player. Hey, have you heard of this guy? Career earnings, $110 million. And these baseball players would lose their minds. So the NBA has a cap and teams have to spend to that cap. And so they're giving out contracts. I mean, I've got two words for you. Ready? I'm sorry, Pat. All respect. Hassan Whiteside. I think that's pretty much the start and the end of that conversation, right? Anyway, we all make mistakes. I get it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that what player empowerment has evolved into in baseball and basketball are these things called player options. A player option is when you look around the rest of the league and you say to yourself, is there any way that I can do a dollar better by opting out of my deal. You know very well that's what the player's doing. And if they can, they will. So the NBA made a rule that your own player, you can actually pay more to on an extension. Like Jokic is a great, a great example. He's the MVP. He just got named MVP second year in a row. He has a chance to make 200 and let's say 55 or 270 million dollars from the Nuggets in an extension. He already said he's going to sign it. The Nuggets are going to offer it. And he doesn't have to look around and become a free agent because he knows he can't get more money than that right now 
And with a body like that, not that it's a bad body, but anytime in basketball, you're one sort of step away from game over, broken knee, finished. So what do you do with a player when they have a player option? It's really hard when that player is a superstar. Let's talk about Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is on the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving is one of the top 10 selfish players that I've ever come across in my career in any sport. Don't fight with me, Coca. Kyrie Irving is solely responsible for the Brooklyn Nets' exit from the playoffs. You cannot put a team together, have that team not play together, then only play together on road games, then play together home and road games as you're approaching the playoffs in the playoffs and expect to beat a team like the Celtics. And GTH, it's that simple. We picked the Celtics to win that series. It was a very easy choice because the Nets were not a team. And basketball, as much as there's isolation, requires a team. Yesterday, Sean Marks, who's the GM of the Nets, who we've talked about on this show because Sean Marks, when it was convenient for him did a complete 180. Sean Marks in the beginning said, hey, the rules are the rules. Kyrie, get vaccinated. If you don't want to get vaccinated, no problem, but we support you. You can't play anything other than road games. In the beginning, he was playing no games. Then the team started struggling. Sean Marks said, you know, we're going to let you come back and just play road games because we need you. Then they made sure to change the rules once the Yankees were going to be allowed to play. And guess what? That was the end. Now, Coca and other Nets fans will tell you that James Harden was responsible, Ben Simmons was responsible, and there was myriad reasons that the Nets didn't perform. And fine, have the argument. I'm not giving you a hot take. I'm not going to be that gas bag. It's not necessary. Because the point of this story is that Kyrie Irving has one year left on his current deal. It's a player option. I actually have a wait to see that I think it, isn't it that Kyrie Irving will not finish out his deal with the Nets or will not sign a new deal with the Nets? It's one of those, Coco will check it because we do go back and look at wait to seize. But Sean Marks met the media and had some pretty pointed comments for Kyrie Irving. He said, we're looking for guys that, it's who, folks. People are who's, not that's. We're looking for guys who want to come in here and be part of something bigger than themselves. Play selfless, play team basketball, and be available. Holy shnikes. And that goes not only for Kyrie, but for everybody here. A little nugget for everyone when you're talking or writing, when you say not only, you have to follow that with but also. That's the grammar rule. So what you would say is, and that goes not only for Kyrie, but also for everybody here. It's okay, Sean, I forgive you. We taught something, we did a grammar lesson today. Why would Sean Marks go public yesterday with those comments? Who's he talking to? Is he talking to Kyrie? Is he talking to Kyrie's agent? Is he talking to Ben Simmons? Is he talking to Kevin Durant? Is he talking to his owner, Joseph Stai? Well, when we send our GM out and we have talking points for our GM, we do it for several reasons, some of, some of which is to talk to your fans. Sometimes it's to talk to other teams to get a message out there about what you're looking for, about what you're going to do. There's misdirection all the time. What Sean Marks did yesterday 
was simply for Kyrie. So I would have preferred if he had said, Kyrie, you might as well pick up your option because we're not giving you the max extension that you are seeking. The reason we're not giving you the max extension is that we believe that you as a player have not shown us that you are committed to our team, to winning, and to basketball. I can't publicly say that I'm critical of all of your off-the-field narratives and issues. I can't openly say that I'm critical of the distractions that exist off the field for you. I'm not allowed to publicly say that I prefer for my players to only play video games when they're not on the basketball court. I can't publicly say that as far as I'm concerned, it'd be really nice for players to not want to go out every night and not be involved like Magic Johnson on winning time with 75,000 different women. I can't publicly say any of that. So what I am going to say is we need people to be part of something bigger than themselves. Play selfless and be available. I'm <laughs> sorry. You made me laugh. Sean Marks could have totally said the more direct thing and everyone would have been fine because it's Kyrie Irving, right? So you have to have a feel for when it's okay to push the boundary. And maybe I push the boundaries too much as a team president. Maybe that's why I'm here. Maybe that's why the show's successful because I'm willing to push the boundaries. But in those circumstances, you can feel free to publicly say, listen, it's clear that what went on last year isn't going to work. And it wasn't just a vaccine issue. Therefore, we are not going to negotiate with Kyrie a long-term extension. Okay. Nothing personal pick of the day. 59 and 48. I I'm going to, what's it called, Coca? When you man geek or geek man or when, when you just sort of can't believe how cool it is to watch something. I had the Celtics five and a half over the but fanboy. Thank you, Coca. I am a fanboy of Giannis. I admit it. I'm not going to say I like him better than Patrick because Patrick is my forever all-timer. Patrick Ewing. I am loyal. I mean, to a point. The Celtics were giving five and a half to the Bucks in a game five at home. Bucks without Chris Middleton. Celtics hot, deep. Best team in the league for a few months. The Bucks went into Boston and won the damn game. Forget cover the spread. They won the damn game. Are you aware that the Celtics were up 14 points in the fourth quarter, like two minutes in? Are you aware the Bucks were down six at the end of the game and Giannis took a three, which he shouldn't take? Just ask SVG. When you shoot 29% from three and you shoot 70% from a foot, wouldn't you try to go from a foot? If you watch Giannis, you can always tell when he takes the three-pointers or when he does the floataways. They're not called floataways. When you step back and do a, um, oh my God, a step-back jumper is called something. It's when he's exhausted. When he is driving to the hole, that is when he's most effective. You're going to get a foul. You're going to get a hoop. Giannis is just an Adonis. And he can handle the ball like he's 6'3". He's got the wingspan that he's minute bowl. And he's got the touch around the rim. He's got the leadership qualities. What doesn't he have other than a third MVP? 
The Bucks won the game. They're up three games to two going home to Fitzserve Arena, Fiserv Arena, although home court doesn't matter. The Bucks have won twice in Boston already. The Celtics won once in Milwaukee. All I know is the Celtics are going back to Milwaukee. General Mitchell Field. That's the airport they fly into. So, what about tonight's game? Do you want me to talk very quickly about the Grizzlies? It was pretty amazing. Did you watch that? The Grizzlies without John Morant, we told you they're 20 and 5 without Morant, and then they lost to go 20 and 6, but then they won last night. Did you see that they crushed the Warriors? They won by like 35 points. I think during the course of that game, they were up by 87 points. I think the score was like 69 to 3 after at halftime something like that. All I know is it was a complete blowout and the Grizzlies are still down 3-2 going back to Golden State. Tonight, we've got Dallas trying to force a game seven. Um, I, I did well with the dogs, sort of. I don't know. What should we pick? Yes, I gave this thought. This series is going seven. Dallas plus two will force a game seven. They're getting two at home in Dallas on a game six. I don't recall a home team, a game six host, getting points that has Luka on it before. I really don't recall it. Therefore, we're taking it. Dallas plus two. All right, everyone ready? Today's the day. Were you looking forward to May 12th? Were you excited? Even though on May 4th, we got the international schedule. Then we got during the draft, the first Amazon Prime game schedule. Then we got leaked a little Monday night action like a doubleheader to start the season. All of the articles that have been written you get the opponents for the upcoming season in the NFL. And today we get the dates and times. Who's going to be on Sunday night? Who's going to be on Monday night? Who's going to be the four o'clock game, the one o'clock game? What about Saturdays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays? This is, you're right. I acknowledge this is me being jealous. This is me being jealous. The NFL is releasing a schedule and it's a holiday. That was a forehead-wrinkling statement. Here I go again. The NFL is releasing a schedule tonight at 8 o'clock. And what's amazing to me about that is they acknowledge something that normally you don't hear. When Tom Brady retired, that was the end of Tampa being a national focus. Then Tom Brady unretired, went back to Tampa, and the schedule makers said, uh-oh, back to the drawing board. I was trying to think the other day, maybe yesterday, while watching episode eight of Minx, I got distracted. I love getting distracted. Do you, ever, do you ever get that when you're doing something and then you get this amazing thought in your mind or you get a text from someone or whatever whatever's happening and you get distracted and then you totally lose your way and it's a detour and then you have a hard time finding your way back and then before you know it, it's 10 minutes of the show have passed and you have to rewind. Luckily, there's rewind right now. And you're like, what just happened? I completely forgot. And if it's a show you're not interested in, you keep going. And you're like, whatever, I'll fill in the blanks. Like with froggy DNA, don't worry, there won't be sex because it's all male dinosaurs. But then you're like, wait a minute, I filled in with froggy DNA and then life just happens, Jeff Goldblum. But then if it's a show that you like, you have to go back because like, you say, I don't want to miss anything. So that happened yesterday with Minx because I liked it. So I had to go back because I was thinking about Tom Brady and I was trying to think of another player who would have that sort of schedule impact. Michael Jordan comes back after a two-year gambling suspension hiatus or a retirement hiatus, however you want to describe it. Conspiracy theory alert. 
That was Morse code. You know what that was Morse code for? Ready? Ready? This is the only Morse code I know. That means Jordan really didn't retire for two years to play baseball. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, what were we talking about? Okay, Jordan comes back in 1995 or 96, whenever he came back. Who can remember? Was he out just one season? So he came back at the end of 95. Is that possible? I think that may be right. I know he missed 94 because that's the only time the Knicks went to the finals. So the NBA goes through its schedule and they figure out which are the TNT games and which are the ABC games or the NBC games, whatever it was at that time. So Jordan would be one example where when the Bulls come back and Jordan's on the team, they're going to show more Bulls games. But the Bulls already had a national TV presence because even with Jordan gone, it's not like they stunk. You recall what they did with Pippen in 94 and 95. Okay, so I'm not going to say Jordan's one of them. What about LeBron? Bingo. LeBron goes from Cleveland to Miami. We're putting Miami on. LeBron goes back to Cleveland. We're putting on Cleveland. LeBron leaves Cleveland. See you later, Cleveland. So is it the team or is it the player? So then I went to one further depth of discussion in my head because I talk inside my head all the time. And I realized that if you're going to rip up a schedule, which is so complicated, I can't even tell you. Putting together schedules for these major league sports teams and these leagues, it's way harder than you think. It's not like you sit around and it just comes to you. It's, it's a huge puzzle. There's algorithms involved. You have to look at it. Then you go to bed and you look at it again. It takes days, weeks, and months to do a schedule. And then to rip it up is even worse because you're calculating miles flown, you're calculating time zones change, you're calculating when certain games of the year are, where they are, you're working with your broadcast partners for what they want. It's not like the whole schedule is done and then the broadcast partner says, hey, I'd sort of like to see that game. There is conversation that goes on, even if the broadcast partner won't admit it. Trust me, conversations go on. What is in the best interest of the broadcast partner? Because that's where your butter is breaded. Your bread is buttered. Mixed that up. So NFL ripped up the entire schedule. Tom Brady on retires. Tampa Bay now is going to be announced as having a huge number of national games. They're going to Germany for crying out loud. Are you going to watch it tonight at 8 o'clock? Are you? Raise your hand if you're not. If you're going to be watching the Sixers heat game. Me. Oh, no. Cut that, Coca. I'm going to be at the play. Okay. To close today, I want to do a quick word for my friend Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich is a player who we had at the Marlins. We drafted him as a high schooler. We thought that he'd win batting titles. He did. We thought that he could win an MVP, but certainly had no dreams of that, and he has. He signed a huge extension with the Brewers after the Marlins, not on my watch, the Jeter's Marlins traded Yelich to the Brewers. Yelich is a complicated, smart individual who I always enjoyed working with. Signed him to his first big contract that gave him the financial freedom to wait for the Brewers to give him even more. Last night, he hit for his third cycle. A cycle is when you get a single, a double, a triple, and a home run during a game. That's the cycle. So you have to get at least four hits. He's now done it three times, all since he left Florida. When you look at our record book in Miami, their record book in Miami, that's another dollar coca, the Marlins have never hit for a cycle in their entire franchise history. They've got World Series victories. 
They've got MVPs, no Cy Youngs, but no cycles. Yelich goes, leaves, has hit for three of them. And here's a little note. They've all been against the Cincinnati Reds. What are the odds of that? Well, congratulations, Yelly. It's pretty cool, and you've got yourself a good team. All right, wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen, and then we're going to revisit it. Last night was the first COVID cancellation in Major League Baseball this year. There's an outbreak going on with the Cleveland Indians. Their manager, Terry Francona, sorry, 469. There's an outbreak going on with the Cleveland Guardians. Their manager, Terry Francona, a bunch of their coaches, there's some sort of situation. And Major League Baseball postponed the White Sox-Guardians game last night on account of COVID. A ton of other teams are dealing with it. Here's a way to see. That's not going to happen again. Major League Baseball knows that they cannot have these postponements. They're trying to fit too many games in too short a period of time. They've got weather issues they've got to think about. They're already playing scheduled doubleheaders. They're already making teams travel in a way they didn't need to have the season started on time and not late, which I told you we'd forget about by May. So didn't we already forget about the fact that the season started late and they're still playing 162 in a condensed period of time? Do you remember that? Wait to see. Book it. There will not be another game postponed because of COVID. Get out there, no matter who your manager is, no matter who your players are, you've got the roster. Call up people from your taxi squad or from your minor leagues. Play the game. Okay. That's it for today's show. That's it for the week of these types of shows. But guess what tomorrow is? I've just gotten in my ear confirmed I didn't want to say it because I wasn't sure that we were confirmed, but we are confirmed. We have Drew Robinson for a Samson sit-down. If you do not know who Drew Robinson is, I'm asking you to GTS. I'm asking you to do one second of homework. You Google everything throughout the course of a day anyway, right? Just Google Drew Robinson Major League Baseball, get a little background, and then tune in tomorrow for a very important conversation that Drew and I are going to have. I look forward to it. Tomorrow, I won't be able to say it, but today, you know how I end it. It's just business. This is nothing personal.